Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Johnny Hill. Like always, if you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I would recommend going back and starting there. got to learn to read a horse. I learned to read a horse pretty early on. I mean, you could tell by looking on kind of what he was thinking and what he was doing. When I, there was a man named Billy Lewis who was probably the most best natural horseman that I've ever been around. Uh, lived at Sandy Camp and he, he quit and was moving and, and I was around him quite a bit before he left and he told, he told me, uh, when we pick colts every year, you pick an order of seniority. He said, when you pick a colt, he said, the first thing you look at is his eye. He said, if he's got a bad eye, he said, the rest of it don't matter because he's not going to be fun to ride. And he was very true about that. I mean, that that was uh, probably the best thing anybody ever told me about a horse. But You've been able to pick a lot of good ones off of that. Yeah, yeah. And I've had some some of the other horses that were ornery, you know, but they made good horses. If you you got to be consistent. Uh, I did things pretty much the same way every time I did it. I've seen people crucify a horse right here for not turning around like they want them to and let them go down the road 50 yards and turn around any way they wanted to. Well, that horse don't know what you're wanting. You don't know what to expect. You know, and that, a lot of people didn't understand that. But I was yeah. re- really consistent with the way I turned the horse around. And I used my feet a lot, not necessarily – I wasn't abusive with my spurs, but if one needed to move over and wouldn't move over, well, I'd move him. And after done that a time or two, well, you could just squeeze him a little bit and he'd scoot over. It, it, it's, and I, I, most a lot of my horses, I could rode without a bridle, take them wherever I want to go just with my feet and seat in my pants. I've heard a lot of people, um, just that I've visited with on this podcast, I've heard a lot of people talk about how important it is to be able to read a cow, but I've never really thought about being able to read a horse the way that, like the way that you just worded that has stood out to me. Well, that's, uh, I mean, cowboying is a hard way to make a living. And if you got to do it riding a sorry horse, it's just not hardly worthwhile. Uh, I condemned a lot of horses that a lot of people would have rode. And and I say I condemned them. I traded them off to somebody else on the ranch. If they were gentle and just weren't suiting me or or not interested in doing like I wanted them to do, I mean, other boys would take them and get along great, you know. But they just weren't, weren't. What I was looking for, but I was I was really picky. I wanted the horse to do 
do things right every time, not just once in a while. They needed to do it every time. And have that consistency so they knew that you wanted them to do it every time? Yep, yep. It's something like this old Casey horse that, that won the top horse at Wichita Falls, he, uh, when I was, during that two years that I rode him, trying to get him where I could live with him, uh, if every chance I got, I, when we had a roundup throw together, it was usually against the fence, and I'd get over against the fence, and I'd scoot everybody over and, and let a cow run off down the fence and make him go turn them. And, boy, he could turn a cow on the fence as good as any horse you ever saw. But he got pretty quick. You'd have to put your hand over his eyes, or he just wouldn't let him buy him. He didn't want to have to turn them. <laughs> I just played with him all the time. I mean, I did that with all my horses. I had I had some of those Goldfinger's horses that was, would drag a house off the foundation. If you let them, they were really, really strong horses. Had a had a gray horse called Levi, that, uh, and he was a knothead until he's nine years old. I mean, never wasn't. He bucked me off a time or two. He wasn't terrible, but just a hard-headed rascal, always doing something he didn't need to do. When he got broke, that was about a good horse that was in this country. He, you could rope a cow, and he'd take one jerk, and if you roped another, and he'd turn it over backwards because he wasn't going to take another. <laughs> cool. Speaking of, sorry, go ahead. Donnie Hall and I posted the colors at the rodeo here for 25 years, and I. He lived a lot further from town, and I finally just told him, why don't you just ride my horses? It's a lot easier for me to get them up here than yours. Well, he, he posted the colors on this Levi horse for a long time, and he hit, he made him look really good, and the horse made him look good. They, uh, there's a lot of people would have bought that horse in a heartbeat if he'd have been for sale. I bet that's pretty rewarding for you to see somebody else look good on one of your horses. Well, yeah. I mean, I... You know, I said we kept 25 horses there at my house. Uh, Mark Allen rode part of them, and me and then Bobby Boston, part of his horses were there. And uh, we we could mount a pretty sizable bunch of people that, on horses that they could depend on. You know, but that that Levi horse was outstanding. He trot just like a cat, and and. Uh, He'd go to turn him around, he'd never pick his head up above his withers. He, he'd just go where you sent him and just always trotted the best in the world. And I don't know how many cows I tied down on him and loaded him in the trailer by myself. He, he's just a phenomenal horse about that kind of stuff. Speaking of tying stuff down and loading them by yourself, what's the funnest thing that you've ever roped? Probably a buffalo. A buffalo? Yeah, you mind sharing that story? Well, yeah, we were uh, uh, helping Jigs man out at the JAs, and the buffalo—they still had buffalo out there—and uh, had a buffalo bull in with his cows. His this bull had got uh, cut off when he was a calf, and from the buffalo herd, and he grew up with Jigs's cows. Well, he was whipping Jigs's bulls off and breeding these cows, and we was out there on a big old flat and on Brandy's Jigs was working the roundup and he come by and I said, Won't you let me catch that buffalo and we'll cut him? He said, Oh, you just getting a wreck. I said, No, I won't. My daughter was along. She was riding my old I had a first horse I picked when I moved 
down there was a crop out paint big got to be a big strong rascal later but anyway I, she was long riding that old horse and i was riding casey he's a bronc i said no nah, i'll get Karen and bring old paint over here and we'll i'll rope him on him oh he said just leave him alone little did he come by and he said if you don't catch that bull just catch him so i called her over and we swapped horses and and uh, I cut. I tried to just snare that bull in the herd, and he wouldn't have it. He wouldn't let me get close enough to him. And I finally just cut him out and turned him down the flat. And it was about 300 yards before I got close enough to throw at him. That dude could run. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I was tied on, had 35 foot rope, and I was tied on, and I caught him first loop. And I said, I'm going to jump just nearly as high as the rope would let him go. I had four guys healing at him. It took him forever to catch him. We we got him down and got him worked anyway. He Jigs had a cow or two later that was out of that pairing. I mean, they, you could tell they had some buffalo in them. They're they're pretty unique animals. They really are. Those buffalo, uh, they just go wherever they wanted all over the ranch. I come home one day. We was working somewhere, and I come home. There was 44 of them in my horse pasture. And I was scared to death. My horses never had seen one of them. I was scared to death they were going to run my horses over a fence somewhere. And I went and started them back toward the hole in the fence that they'd made. They'd tear up a fence in a heartbeat. And I was going to, one of them had a, one old cow had a little calf, and I was going to catch him and keep him. And I knew better to catch him with no help there because them old cows will get you. They're serious. Anyway, I was going to get some help to help me the next day. And, those buffalo went all the way back to the Jays. They never did stop. Wow. Which is probably a good thing in my, on my part. How long? How long is that from where you were to the Jays? Oh gosh, that's probably twenty-five, thirty miles. Wow. And those those things, they just go everywhere. And but they always they'd make a hole in it. They'd always go back to the same hole. They'd go to a gate and stick their head through a gate and just take the gate with them. Gosh, but uh, we had uh, uh, these, these some of the old timers that I worked with. That that's one thing that I did. I, these guys had something to teach you. If you just listen, they might not tell you anything, but if you just watch, they you can see the reason for what they're doing. Uh, when I first moved to Sandy, I didn't know enough to get out of the way, so Frank would put me out. He'd be cutting pears out or whatever. He'd send me out there to hold what we call the cut. You wasn't doing nothing, but just sat there holding them cows up, and he had time to sit and watch. You know, and you could see all those older guys weren't horsemen at all, but they were cowmen, and they could get stuff done on the horse that might not be quite that good. Uh, so a lot of that. All guys wear a horse completely out and not ever get him what I call broke. But they they could make a hand on them and do it every day. I was just thinking um, if we could back up just a little bit. I, I'm curious what made you decide to pursue that as your career or your profession where you hadn't been around it much and where that was the first place you went like what was your desire to be a cowboy you know i really don't know uh hard to say i mean i just like the lifestyle uh and and that really didn't know anything about it either like the horses uh 
as always, just a nut about horses. Uh, it just it just turned out. I mean, I, I was looking for a job. I, my dad taught me to work, and uh, to like it. And I was going to college up there, and I was sick of that feedlot. Uh, went up, asked Holder to the horse farm, and talked to Burl. Said he's needing help, so I went to work for him, and we. He built an AI program while I was there, and uh, had all the old mares. Most of them in Halterbrook. We finally got them all where we could AI them in the shoot, except for one old mare. We never did get her. Uh, she'd tear stuff up if we got her in there. But, uh, just I don't know. Just liked it. Like I like working for Barrel, like working for Lewis's, and uh, like being around the horses. One one advantage I had. Uh, Working for Burroughs, when I moved to the ranch, I, they put the mares down there in my shipping pasture, and I knew the mares, and I knew which colt was out of what mare, and I, I could figure out which was going to be the best horses. Uh, from from looking at what people were riding on the ranch, you could see what mare those horses were out of, and then you could you could tell what mare you kind of wanted to pick a colt out of. That's kind of a good advantage that you had then. Well, it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and later on, after they sold the horse farm, still kept the mares down there, and I furnished the stud part of the time myself. It, it is it's a good life. It really was. Like I said, I had some of them old-timers that I worked with as the best guys in the world uh, to show you something if you, if you wanted to. If you'd ask them, they'd tell you, but they wouldn't tell you unless you ask them. Yeah. I think that's a good trait for people to have, too. Yeah, well, it is. It is. Uh, you know, uh, most of the guys, we we traded work with Joe Robson. He's just an old, sure enough, rancher. There wasn't no oil money, no nothing. And Doug DeShelton was the same way. Jigs man, same way. Jigs was, was a wagon boss at the J.A.S. when they retired the wagon. And then he wound up with a lease of his own. Uh, Horace McClellan worked for Bitter Creek across the highway from me there. Mr. Hagee, he had oil money, but they run that just like an old ranch. And Horace lived on one side, and a guy named Gerald Martin lived on the other. And, uh, good people to be around. Yeah. What would your advice be to the next generation? Well, like I said, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open, leave your phone in your pocket, part of it. But you're going to have to be, I don't know, a lot of them are, I don't know how to say it. Uh, if you don't know, ask somebody, actually. Uh, you know, take time to, to look and study things. Uh, learn to read livestock, mainly. Uh they think people ranching has changed somewhat. A lot of the ranches now here are owned by big money people, and they hire these kids, and they have nobody to really show them. Uh, they learn by mistake, and sometimes they don't learn too good. Uh, it's it's a kind of a hard situation. They, they have nobody to really look up to, unless their dad was a cowboy, and sometimes their dad might not have been. But no, look up to the nose. But most, <laughs> yeah. most, most of them, they're not going to lead them astray, you know. If they, it's a, 
it's a good life if you don't weaken. I think it's cool. Most of the people that I've talked to, they've mentioned the old timers that they were able to work around. And so I think I agree with you on that. Like it would be hard if you're just a young guy starting out and you don't really have anybody to look up to or anybody to teach you. That would be a hard way to get your start or to learn. Well, it is. It is. Uh, A lot of ranches now won't keep an old timer very long. They'd have no loyalty to them like they used to have. I mean, when I've, they've been two or three guys retired from Lewis's while I was working for them. And they they moved them to town and they'd furnish their beef and, and they'd pay them to come day work, drive a feed wagon or whatever, you know, if they mm-hmm. wanted something to do. You don't see too much of that anymore. They don't seem like they want to take care of them older guys as good as they used to. See, and in my opinion, maybe this is wrong, <laughs> but I think that they're way val- way more valuable to help help teach the younger generation, you know? Well, they are. And and you can't fault the younger generation, but, uh, especially if they hadn't been around anybody to show them, you know? Yeah. Uh, but they also, a lot of them have run in their mouth and carrying on and fighting their horse. And I, the, when I first started, you didn't see all this horse training stuff that you see now. I mean, if you got to tuning on your horse, the boss would send you off out there out of the way. <laughs> send you to go check a water gap or something about 10 miles away that you think yeah. about it a while. Uh, now, you'd be doing something, somebody just stop and go jerking and jobbing on their horse. and kind of gets in the way sometimes. I mean, I understand you have to tune on the horse once in a while, but you need to get out of the way to do it. In your opinion, or are cowboys as good of hands today as they were back in the day? Yeah, they're different. Uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them are probably riding better horses, and they, a lot of them are really, really good ropers. Some of them old timers are good ropers. And back when they had screw worms in this country, I don't know if y'all ever had them out there. We had screw worms here, and you have to doctor them, or they'd kill a cow. Uh, and they made, when they eradicated the screw worms, they got rid of a lot of good rope horses and a lot of good ropers. You'd have to ride <laughs> every day looking. And those little horses get to where they smell them cows hiding in a bus ticket somewhere. And the horses alert you to turn in there, and then you go in there and run them out and catch them, tie them down, and put that stinking medicine on them. They, screw worms are gone about time I started. I talked to a guy um, a few months back who was telling me all about the the screw worms and stuff and how they had to deal with that. It sounded like it was kind of nasty. Well, it was. It was. At uh, that old medicine, what they call smear 62 or something, that stunk like the devil. And mm. You had to use it every day, nearly. You ended up smelling like it probably if you were packing it every day. Yeah. Like I said, it, we had a rash or two of them after I moved to the ranch, but they pretty well got rid of them before I come along. In your words, how would you define the word cowboy? Cowboy? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that's, 
But I'm I'd be more inclined to point out some of the old timers. I mean, I thought they were better. The younger guys are cowboys in a lot of ways, but maybe they don't have the savvy that the older guys had. Them older guys, they didn't have all the distractions that we have now. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, somebody that can take a horse and go work a gun, do what he needs to do without stirring a bunch of stuff up. And that, that's hard to say because some folks just don't know how to do that anymore. I really like asking that question because everybody has a different answer, it seems like, but it all it all goes together if that makes any sense. Like, I'm always curious how different people define that word. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I ever actually thought about it, uh, what a cowboy is, but make a living a horseback. But there's, in this country, there's not as much everyday horsebacking as there used to be. Yeah. And some, some, some areas around, they are people running yearlings and whatnot, but right here where we're at, there's, it's not as consistent as it used to be. But all these big ranches here have changed hands, moved around, and changed leases and whatnot, and you got somebody running them that aren't interested in the cowboy lifestyle. They just want to make a dollar. Yeah, which is too bad sometimes. Well, it is. It is. Uh, they do away with a lot of, lot of good hands, I guess. Or maybe they don't make as many good hands as they used to. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I can still make a hand, and you can do a lot of horsebacking around here if you want to, if you'll pay attention and not get in somebody's way. There's a little band of day workers around that pretty much do nearly all the work in this country, and they they do well. Uh, but most of them, nearly my age, are close to it. Anymore, they're just looking for some young guys to flank the calves, get them on the ground so they can work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still flank occasionally. I'm 71. I still flank occasionally, but it's a lot harder than it used to be. <laughs> yeah. You should just be the one that gets to rope the whole time. Yeah, well. At that point, I think you've deserved it. It's one thing about roping in this country, uh, you normally swap off uh, roping. Somebody yeah. will start, and then, then they'll, you know, let somebody else rope. Now, there's places like four sixes used to. I don't know how they are now. Uh, if it was your day to drag, you rode a good horse, and you drug everything, you and another or two. And then it might be a week before you get to drag again. But the way it's done around here, you things are right, you might get to drag every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends on who's there. I always took a, a lot of time with my young horses. Uh, when I start dragging calves, I log them here at the house first and kind of let them understand what they need to do, pull a truck tire or something around a little bit. If you rope two or three or four little bitty calves and get them to go by the fire with them and whatnot, and then you might catch one a little bigger and 
him and he might go back and catch another little one or two and then quit while he's in a good frame of mind. And you haven't hurt him mentally or physically either. Uh, and I've, that's the way I did all my horses and they, I never had one that wouldn't pull. I see people overload a young horse right off the bat and, and he's not ever as strong as he should have been. Yeah. It's crazy to think that the mental game can apply to animals too, like how big of a mental block that could put on a horse or something if he pulled something too big too quick. Yeah, well, that or you let your breast collar get up high and choke them or something. You can, and it takes a long time to get a horse over that if you ever do, if you, yeah. if you mess them up bad enough. <clears throat> I always... I was always took a lot of pride in my horses, and I could go anywhere and make a hand with anybody. And I don't mean to be bragging, but I just had the horses that I could do it on. Mm-hmm. I know at one time I was riding 13 horses. Eight of them was under three years old. That's working cattle. I mean, you could, you could do something, you know. The way Frank did in the fall of the year, he'd call all the neighbors and get their shipping dates when they wanted to ship. Some of them had several different dates, depending on when your calves was born, I guess. But he would write down, he'd make a list, might be three pages long, one in the yellow tablets, of who was working on what day and where they were working. And you knew what kind of horse you needed to ride. <clears throat> and I, on some of them, I got, I, I tried not to get anybody to drop me off when I was riding a young horse. If they dropped me off right quick anyway, until the horse got tired, I'll put it the other way. And and I'd go around the outside with nearly everybody, the neighbors and, and our our crew too. Later on, it got to where if somebody was sick or, or injured or something, well, they'd ask me to lead the drives, which dropped the people off, which is I don't, wasn't no big deal to me. I, I, just, I knew the country and knew where they dropped everybody off, so. We could we could get by with somebody wasn't there for some reason. Frank Frank would uh, call me over after breakfast and tell me what he wanted done. Didn't sit too well with some of the older guys sometimes, but I mean, I didn't ask for it. He just volunteered that for me. When you uh, think back on your life and your time, do any memories in particular stand out to you? Oh gosh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> lots of them. I don't know what to say. It. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we. I mean, we. We got to do and see so much. It's, it's just hard to hard to say. Uh, yeah. Had, in in the fall of the year, after we got through in the winter, after we got through working and sort of feeding cattle with and Donnie Hall, we was always into something. We had lots of energy. We. Every year you'd miss a bunch of calves. We usually go in my country and his country, and we wind up catching 60 or 70 calves that we'd miss, ripping and running around that old rough, brushy country. Had lots of fun doing that. Made lots of good horses. I bet. Uh, You know, I mean, I've seen some wrecks. I've seen guys get wrapped up in a rope and in the stirrup and, I mean, it's just uh, pretty entertaining nearly every day, usually. 
Some people didn't last very long at it. Some people spent their whole life at it. Well, that's cool. I think that it's neat that you've been able to spend the majority of your life doing something that you love. Yeah. I, my wife and Donnie Hall's wife, both Donnie's wife more so than mine, tried to get us to write a book or stories about some of the stuff that we did. We just never did take time. Well, he's passed on now. I can't remember what I did yesterday, hardly. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you've got a good memory. Yeah. Please. You should. I'd read it if you ever wrote one. Yeah. And I wouldn't know where to start, really. <laughs> Donnie, Donnie was a great guy. He he raised four boys. And he kept them in church. And they all made good, outstanding citizens. Good folks, really was. I sure hated to see him pass away. But been a bunch of them old guys now gone. Had a, had a guy named Billy Farley that worked for Lewis. He lived down at Oxbow Camp. Uh, he was on one end of that ranch. Donnie was on the other. And he lives at Turkey. He's 81 or 2 or something. And he, he's still moving around. He's still... Working on ranches, not cowboying much, but doing other things. Made a lot of good friends. Made a lot of good friends. I met a lot of good people down there in Wichita Falls at that ranch rodeo. There's some really outstanding cowboy dinner. Tom Morehouse, first year we were down there, impressed the hound out of me. He rode one of Benny Butler's bucking horses without a cheater. <laughs> not, wow. many of us, not many of us can do that. Yeah. Um, Tom's a nice guy. Well, I was talking about me and Donnie getting into stuff. He lived, his country joined the Red River on the north side and always had cattle over there getting out on the river and going over to the farmers on the south side, north side of the river. Guy called him, said he had two cows over there, and we went over there. Cold, windy kind of old day. This guy had just little wheat patches around scattered all around in these sand hills along the edge of the river there. We finally found them cows, and they had calves, little calves. We got over the hill there and made a plan, and we snuck around there and just jumped out there and roped them two calves and tied them down. Well, we knew the cows was going to run off, but we figured they'd come back and get them calves sooner or later, so that's what we did. Sure enough, we hid out there, and after all them cows come back, we caught them and shackled them and went to get the trailer so we could load them in the trailer. We got ready to load them. I, lo- I was riding a big old stout horse and I loped by this cow and hoped her going to jerk her down so he could take the shackles off. And the horse went to the end of that rope and stretched it about four foot and that rope broke and hit me right behind the ear. It was a cold old day. Oh. Man, that hurt. Finally, just laughed. He just thought that was the funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Of course, he'd do anything in the world to get you bucked off, but if he thought you was in trouble, he'd be right up there in the middle of it. Yeah. We had lots of fun. Lots of fun. Gosh, that makes me hurt <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah. And I I saw another guy break a rope. <laughs> Actually, he borrowed the Levi horse. Uh, we had a, well, they used to have what they call a J reunion. Little old kind of ranch rodeo type deal, steer stopping and whatnot, roping and this and that. And Steve Lewis boyed the old Levi and 
tied on, and I said, Steve, you don't need to tie on. Oh, he said, I can't dally as fast as you can. I said, oh, he don't stop that hard. He said, yes, he does. Anyway, when he come out of the chute, he hung his rope on the chute, and old Levi went to the end of it and uh, just leaned over and broke that rope. That rope waded up me. That rope waded up me. Steve in the back broke a tree in my saddle. Uh, hit Steve in the back, and he jumped off and jerked his shirt off, and it looked like a coarse spring. I mean, just a bloody whip all over his back. Oh, it's terrible, terrible. Gosh. Some of the stuff you see is not pretty. I mean, that you know, as an accident. But I can see where Steve's point was because I dallied pretty fast most of the time. But Levi, when he got ready to stop, you better be dallied or he's going to take it away from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just looking over my list, and I think I've asked all the questions that I was meaning to ask, but if there's any more memories or stories that you feel like you want to share, I definitely don't want to cut you off. I really feel like I've bored you with all this. but <laughs> No, you haven't. I promise. If you think something else you need to ask me, well, feel free to call. <laughs> okay, I will. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. All right. Well, have a good day. You do. Bye. Bye. That concludes my interview with Johnny Hill. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, like always, to put a face behind the name, you can head over to our Instagram page. It's at cowboystories underscore podcast. And if you would like to support this podcast in any way, check out our show notes. At the bottom of the show notes, there's a link that says support this podcast. If you click on it, it'll give you a few options to choose from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.